Hello, photography lovers! Are you super excited for the second part of our interview today? If you have missed part one, don't forget that you can find it on photographypodcast.net, along with all of our previous episodes. And if you're on a website right now and you're wondering why I'm saying this, well, it's because maybe other people are listening to the podcast through one of all the podcasting apps out there, where you can also find our podcast. Anyways, let's get straight to the topics today. Props and how to use them on set. Shooting interesting scenarios to separate your style from everyone else's, and we all know how important that is today. There are also some very cool and interesting stories about photographing animals in fashion photo shoots and what are the unpredicted moments that we have both had on set. Also, we'll make a list for you with all of the necessities a proper photography business needs. So, if you want to hear more, all you have to do is listen. You have a lot of things <laughs> on your sets. Like, for example, you do have props, like flowers and things like that. You like using props, I think. I think so, too. I'm, I'm really into I just had a shoot um, last week which I really enjoyed. It was all, a lot of props as well. The editor just came up with an idea. She just said, okay, I want to do something about the future of skincare. And we have the topic clean beauty technique and personalized beauty. So, Frauke, what's your idea about that? What, what you can imagine? So I went crazy with this. And there were a lot of props. As I said before, I like to use everyone on set holding props. That happened <laughs> as well. So everyone was there holding something, glass hats, and I really enjoy that. It's mostly in the editorial shootings that I do pictures with a lot of props. In commercial shootings, they have it, but not as much in editorial because I'm more free for to develop ideas, to also like pitch ideas to the editor and say like, hey, that was your idea. You want for that shoot, they wanted to make actually really close ups only to show a bit of makeup or less makeup. And I said like, oh, that's nice, but let's do something more exciting. And these are my ideas. Mm -hmm. And if you work with prop, especially if you work with beauty, the easiest way is to go really close to the face and only show the makeup. That mostly works. It's totally okay and fine, but it can be a bit boring after a while. And that happened for me too. So the, the prop thing just came recently, I think, uh, more stronger in the last years because I felt a bit bored from beauty photography or what you should deliver. Mm -hmm. Because I always said like, okay, it's the next red lip on another face. That's not enough for me. I want to do a bit more. I want to maybe not really tell a story, but give it just a bit more. And for example, we can go to this photo shoot of yours with a lot of glass. We can find it on your website, of course. And mm -hmm. there is not just glass. There are some water drops. Okay, the Marie Claire shooting, you mean, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because now, nowadays I do a lot of it glass. So the last shoot also has a lot of glass elements. I think the thing is I, I develop so many ideas for one shoot. I cannot do them all on one shoot. So they, they stay in my folder, the idea folder. And when the next shoot comes up and they fit them, I'm like, oh, I still have something that I really, really want to shoot. So let's do that. And so there was a lot of things with glass after this shoot. I thought, oh, I still have to do this. And the Marie Claire shoot with glass, it was with water was not that easy for sure exactly it's like how how you move the water assistant as well was duty was to the fish tank in front of the model 
-hmm. they had to move it so that oh. there were nice waves and nice movements. So it's like, ah, Frauke, how, what should I do? Yeah, move it. But how? Try. I don't know yet. I have to <laughs> see it. So that is mostly happening with these shootings. I, I have to see it. I, I know there are some things involved, some props. Of course, you haven't done it before. Exactly. So you see it in the picture, how it will work. And that is very nice. And also it gives you new inspiration, new ideas. You had an idea, but maybe what's happening on the set is much better. And okay, water is, is a fluid thing that you cannot really, you don't know what will happen, but even more interesting with animals. I wanted to continue with this Marie Claire photo shoot and ask you about these water drops. Tell us the hardest part about it. If something that maybe uh, brought your attention, like for example, just as a little hint, the drops and shadows from the drops. Maybe we can talk about lighting oh, okay. again, things like that. Because it's glass in front of the model, you really have to take care about the reflections of the light. Mm -hmm. What do you see? When is the light in the picture that, and it's reflecting? So that was a bit tricky to find that out. I mean, I could have not used direct light. That would have worked as well. But then you wouldn't have these nice skin tones. You wouldn't have this nice crispy skin. So it was a direct light. And it was a bit of finding the right position where it has to be that there are not reflections and that there are not weird shadows. So, for example, you have this one picture where she is reflected on the side of the fish tank of the aquarium. Mm -hmm. And also that needed a while. I knew I want to do something like this, but I had to find the right angle, the right light that really works. So it was a bit trying to find the right pictures. And for sure, there were some pictures that didn't look good, but we managed to take really nice pictures. There are some other very, very exciting photo shoots of yours. And one of my very favorite is a photo shoot with a pony that you did. Ah, the pony <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was very much fun. So this shooting was for magazine and it was the idea of the editor. They wanted to do a beauty shoot, but they wanted to do it completely different and in a funny way as well. And she came up with the idea, let's use a small horse, a pony, whatever we can find and doing the new hair trends on this pony. I was very excited when the editor came up with this idea and I was like, yeah, let's do this. But then I thought like, okay, we were with the same editor. I did another animal shoot and with animals, you need time. It's not always working out as you expected. It's not a model. If you say do this, they don't do that. It's a fluid thing. You have to be prepared. You have to be fast, but not everything will be as you expected with an animal. But this horse was a big surprise, a really big surprise, because we thought like, okay, we have a horse, we do funny things on the hair of the horse, the horse will hate it. Probably it will even not look in the direction of the camera. It will look maybe sad, but not, not at all. This horse was really, it was such a happy horse and it was always like a, <laughs> that and it was amazing because it really wanted to present more and it enjoyed that. Of course, the trainer of the horse always had some small treats, some small, I think, uh, carrots or honey, I'm not really sure what they gave the horse. And so that helped a lot. They told me that this horse, it was already a little bit older, 12 years old. And Aww. for 10 years, didn't do anything. It was just with another horse, never had a photo shoot. Next to this farm was living the animal trainer and they bought this horse and they thought, ah, oh, let's start to train it. And I think it always wanted to do something because it was really like, oh, look at me, look at me, look at that side. <laughs> I, I didn't know animals can do that. So it was a lot of fun. That was the sweetest story ever. <laughs> and it's really tiny. 
this is the funniest part about this horse. It's, oh. I think in most of the pictures you don't know it, but it's a very, very tiny horse. I think on the very first photo, it's quite obvious that he's so small. Maybe I have no idea about horses, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just thought, oh, you are small. Okay, lamp has to go more down. <laughs> yeah, I really thought it's a pony. It is a pony, but it's even smaller one. It's one of these, um, oh. I think, Shetland ponies, the really tiny ones. So amazing. This was like a great advice for me right now, because on my way is coming a photo shoot with goats. So it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> I have a see. lot of treats for them. Have a trainer. It always helps, even if the goats are maybe not trained yet. But if you have an animal trainer, they have ideas how to act with the animals. And I had another shoot with dogs and kakadu and um, so also beauty shoot if you scroll more down. And that was also interesting with the animal trainer because I think that was my first real um, shoot with animals. And if you have an animal trainer, they stand mostly behind you while you're shooting because you mm -hmm. need the animal to look at your direction, right? So a lot of times they stand behind you and they animate the animal. They make funny noises, <laughs> funny sounds, which is extremely weird. If you hear in your ear from the back something like, look, 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 look. And you're like, okay, what's going on? And it's very noisy, but it works. So yeah. this was an interesting experience for me. I've been on a photo shoot with an alligator and oh, wow. a tiger. And with the alligator, it was so funny because the model was super stressed out. I was an assistant back then. And she really said, I want no animals like that. No snakes, no lizards, nothing like that. She did not mention alligators. And that's the reason why <laughs> they brought it. It was a big mistake. And I was trying to calm down the model because the photographer was really far away. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid of um, cold-blooded animals like that. So I had no problem with this and I was trying to calm down the model. I was like, don't worry, I'm just going to sit right over here, right next to you. And I was like, so you see the photographer, the alligator, me mm -hmm. on the right, and then the model. So I was in between them and I was like, you see, I'm standing here. It's totally fine. No worries at all. And I'm looking at the team who is behind the photographer and they were like, get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> but super calmly like they don't they don't wanted the model to see them at the same time they were all together and they was like you have to get out of there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i like to shoot with animals it's it's really unpredictable what's happening there a bit stressy but nice yeah i love animals yeah me too not, not all of them i have to say in the studio as you mentioned with the alligator i think not everything i want to do but mm -hmm. Most of the animals are fine. And you said that you have shot some parrots. Oh, that, that sounds so wrong. You have photographed some parrots. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. The true fans of the podcast know that we have a parrot here. Ah, I didn't know that. Cool. They make funny noises, right? Yeah. I didn't know they are so loud. They are very, very loud. Especially if they're bigger, they're really loud. But... Yeah. Our pair here, the podcast pair, Rory is a very well-behaved young man. And every time we do an interview, he's super calm about it. But then when we're editing the podcast, he is giving <laughs> all kinds of advices. <laughs> he is unstoppable. He's talking the whole time. It's very hard to edit <laughs> podcasts with him. 
<laughs> Cute. I want to go cool. back to something you said in one of the previous parts of the interview. So you said that you should brief your team. Let's go back to this. And maybe if you have to brief some animals, you will tell us about this too. But let's go back <laughs> to briefing your teams. How would you suggest us to do this? Do we do it online or maybe you're calling them? Calling, I don't do that much because before I job, most of the team, they are on other jobs. Mm -hmm. You cannot call them daytime lots of time because they're busy. So I prepare a nice PDF where I write down everything from what I plan for each picture, like what is the time when we put a call sheet, when do we start, how many pictures we will have. And I think it's a bit different between editorial and commercial work for editorial work. I will be more open. I will have the pictures that I want to shoot and my ideas for it, but it's much more an open concept. And for commercial work, I plan extremely precise. So they will know when they come to the set, that time the model has to be in the studio. At that time, I have to finish that makeup. So it's like after, I think they know every 10 minutes what they have to do because it's so demanding and you have to be in the schedule. But for preparing, it's a mood board is always good. So everybody knows the direction where we're going, the style. That helps a lot. And for me, planning helps a lot. As I said before, I always make a nice scribble of the light, what I want to have. That helps me. I don't know if it's for every photographer same, but for me, that is very good because the assistant can start to build up everything already. And I can talk to the client. I can talk to the team, can find out what is necessary, what we still have to do. And I come back to the set and I just have to do some small things so that the light is perfect. So for me, that is a good way to do it. I also love planning and uh, I really don't like stressful. I mean, I know how to handle stressful situations. I hate drama, though. Drama is something that can really get me out of my shoes. Do you have a lot of drama on set? As you said, the drama on set is nothing that I also don't prefer it. And I think you already can take care that it's not happening, having drama on set with choosing the right people. That is also point why I choose the people I work with, because I know if suddenly the client changed the whole concept, they will be maybe, okay, I find another way. They can deal with the situation. If you choose the right people, there will be mostly no drama on set. Maybe the, the model is something where you don't know upfront because you maybe didn't work with her before. But also if you're nice to them, if you explain to them very well what's happening or why something's now changing, you can deal with the situation. I think drama, from my experience, most of the time happens if you yourself as a photographer don't explain exactly why something should change or why it is now like this. Because people then are insecure and they don't know what's happening. However, it sounds like you have some experience with drama on set. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure, there were people that I didn't book again for jobs. For sure. That's how I learned. I really want to work with everyone. I will work on a commercial job. I want to work with them before on a test shoot or an editorial. That's how this whole thing came up because I had this experience that I had people that from their work, I thought they're great, they're amazing. But when I had them on the set, I found out, oh, you're not good working in a team or not with my team. Mm -hmm. So you have to find the right people for you. Maybe they don't work with you. They work better with other people. And this is you have to find out before you have the job. And have there ever been a situation when you've had some drama or stressful situation with someone from your team and then you just have to work with the same person on set? 
No, luckily I can or I'm able to decide with whom I want to work. Normally I can tell the client, look, I would recommend this and this person. I think this and this person is good, but not a good match with my team. And luckily I never had to work with someone that didn't work with me before very well again. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe model-wise it's different. I think I had a situation that I had a model again where I told the client I had her, she's great. She delivers, looks good, but she's a pain in the ass on the set. <laughs> I had that several times and I tell them up front, I'm, I'm really clear about it. I say, this is what you get. This is what you have to deal with. Is it fine for you? And if they say yes, and if the situation happens that on set, it's unfortunate, but everybody knew it will happen. So we can deal with it. But yes, with models, I had that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure about one of your projects on your website is not a project that you did with a problematic team. So I really want to talk about this because it's an amazing topic. And your project is about the Down syndrome. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about it? Mm -hmm. So on my website, there's a story for Bulgaria. I think it came out in June or July. And they took the story. I sent the story to him and I was very happy that they took it. For me, this year was that I wanted to try a lot of new things. So I now I'm shooting 10 years and I'm shooting mostly beauty. And after a while, I was a bit bored with it. I thought like, okay, I'm shooting always the same thing. The models, they do a lot of similar things, similar movements. They go from one, maybe they turn to the left, they turn to the right. Because you have such a close crop, there's not so much happening. And I thought like, okay, I have to get a refreshment to myself. I have to refresh my ideas. I want to get excited about the work again. So what mm -hmm. can I do? What can I change? My style is my style. I tried for a while, maybe can I change my style? But I thought, out, no, I, I like what I'm doing. I like the style. But maybe it's the thing that I'm taking pictures of I want to change. And I want to bring something new that gives me also new ideas. So I was a little bit thinking about what it is. And then I thought, okay, I always shoot models, which are, they are already beautiful. They come in the door. They look great. But what is about other people, and this is a movement in the photography business, to shoot people that are normally maybe not in magazines. That's now happening more and more, and that is a really nice and good thing. So I thought about what, what would excite me. And over Instagram, I found Tamara, and she's the girl on the pictures. She has Down syndrome, and she's already a model. And I remember that I saw a while ago, a few years ago, another story with her it was black and white, but fashion pictures. And I really liked it because I thought like, wow, she has so many nice freckles. It's such a cool face. So interesting. I actually want to shoot her. And that came when I found her on Instagram came again. This idea came up again. And um, I just wrote her. What I didn't know at that moment, the Instagram account uh, her mother does. I wrote with her mother and I sent her my idea and my whole concept. And she agreed to come to Berlin. They don't live here. And I booked them a flight, then we did a shoot and it was really inspiring for me and really nice because if she didn't like something, she just said she doesn't like it. And I think we as adult person, we, we are never that direct. She didn't have that. She was really super direct. If she enjoyed it of the picture, it was okay, but if not, not. And I really liked that this approach to life that you're just honest. When I saw her, she had this perfect skin, which was so nice and for me, it was a really, really great shoot, and um, I did it as a personal work. And then I sent it out after two magazines. And luckily, and I'm really happy about this, El Bulgaria took this um, story. Also, that our idea about beauty is changing. This is also what I want to do for myself, that I a little bit, 
that we open up a bit more and see more what else is there in the world and not only the perfect model. That sounds just great and so awesome. Actually, the cool part about El Bulgaria is that they are taking up on many, many social projects and social topics. Actually, I'm not surprised that they took it. Oh, that's cool. I, I didn't know about that, but I was very, very happy because I thought it's such a really cool thing that an L is a girl that has Down syndrome. I was very happy about that. And talking about making your portfolio a little bit different, there is also another project on your website that I wanted to discuss. And it's a project with additional light. And this, for the very first cover photo, the light is coming from her glasses. And there is also additional light. There are some blue colors. There are some red colors. Guys, you can find some of the photos from this project on photographypodcast.net. And now we're going to tell you a bit more what they're about. It's a beauty editorial for a Swedish magazine. Mm -hmm. I worked a lot of times for them and they never come to the shoot. So they sent me their idea. They say, that's what we want to do. What's your idea? How you want to approach that idea? Tell us a bit more about it and then just do it. And for this shoot, they sent me a lot of products. So I got a really huge box from the post office and I looked inside like, oh, okay, what's that? But a lot of things, I had no idea what it is. I really had to Google, what does it do? And maybe this approach was also good for the pictures because they wanted to have something futuristic mm -hmm. and modern and a bit Blade Runner. So I think it was last year when the new Blade Runner movie came out and wanted something that has this feeling as well. For sure, these beauty tools, they looked really futuristic and I had no idea what to do with them. I googled it. I find out, ah, okay, this is this, this is this. That's how I approach them as well, like a tool, like something I don't know what it is. And the uh, glasses on the opening page, these are, and I forgot, something for the skin, I guess, or for the eyes. They have this light already inside. So the picture is a mix of continuous light and flashlight. So with a longer aperture, that's how it worked. And what I really like as a picture, because it's so funny, if you scroll down, there is a picture where the model looks through, it looks a bit like a metal window. Mm -hmm. And she looks through a bit scared. And actually, that thing, it's, it's quite huge. It's um, an air cleaner. Oh, they sent me that as well. And I was like, I have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> it's huge. It looks weird. It has a strange shape. It's not actually a beauty tool, but they really want to have a picture with it. So what should I do? I opened the box. I playing around with the things, trying like, what could I do with them? I, I saw someone walking in the studio through it. I was like, ah, that's interesting. Just why not use it and look through it? So actually, I, I just were using these things as tools. So that's how the ideas for the pictures came with the shoot. Like, what can I do funny things with it? Or I think there's this one tool. I think it's for body hair that looks a bit like like a phaser from a... Yep. Exactly. So that's how I use it. When I got the stuff and I put it out of the box, I was like, oh, what's that? Looks like a phaser. Okay, that's how we will use it. I had a lot of fun on the shoot with these things. The funny thing is for me as well that I do beauty photography, I have no idea about makeup, really none at all. <laughs> and all these beauty products, no idea. I, I like beautiful things. I like beautiful pictures, but for myself, no idea. So it's always funny if I approach these shoots because I'm like, I have to go to the makeup artist and like, um, okay, what is it? Can you explain to me? <laughs> so for this shoot was same. Like the makeup artist was already like, yeah, Frauke, that is for that and that. You didn't know. I'm like, nope, didn't know. 
<laughs> and yeah, it, it was funny, but and we used a lot of uh, what I like, as you said before, I like to use props. So I used a lot of foil and I tried a lot to find the right sweet spot where the picture looks good. You do try many new things. That is absolutely the truth. And you also have another editorial where you have two women next to each other. One of them is older and the other one is younger. Are you the one coming up with the ideas most of the time? Or maybe there are people that are helping you with this? I think it's half-half. It's like um, for an editorial, a lot of times they have a basic idea. Sometimes they have scribbled out everything what they want to do. But a lot of times it's just like, oh, we have this idea and we want to do it this and this way. And sometimes I'm thinking like, mm, sounds good. I want to do it different. I want to do it a little bit more exciting. Give it a bit more. And then I send the editor like more ideas, more moods. I bombard them with ideas. <laughs> I normally have more than one. So they have to now I'm working also on editorial and they told me they want to do something about graphic eyelines. I was like, ideas what we could do, which one you like. This is always the same. That's how I approach these editorials to give them a bit more than what they ask for. It's, it's nice for the client. They can see you really think about what they want to do. You really give it your all. And for me, it's also nice if I can do a bit more, if I can do some more exciting pictures that stand out a bit more. For The Beauty Has No Age, it was similar. It's also from this year where I'm thinking, what can I do different? Um, I did two years ago already a fashion story with an older lady for Vogue Portugal. And I said, like, okay, I didn't do so much beauty yet. I want to do this more. And I want to also, I get older, I want to see where it goes all. I want to get excited about the people again. And the woman that I took pictures of, she's, I think, 74 or something in that direction. And she was also such an interesting character. She had a model agency when she was younger. She was a coach for walking runways. She was older, yes, and she looked older. But in mind, she was still a young person. She was energetic. And that was so inspiring. And I think I'm looking more now for people that inspire me, that are not only a beautiful face, that have their own story, that give to the picture a bit more. This is now when I have the option to choice to have different people I will do that for sure. So sometimes we can expect you to become inspired because of your model, not looking for a model because of some sort of inspiration. Exactly. As I said before, it's a team effort. Each picture is a team effort. And if someone on the set has a good idea, even the model, if they say, could we try this? I will go for it for sure. Because you can plan as much as you want, but the unexpected, the mystic, the thing that just happens from the situation is much more exciting than the thing that you planned for. So if somebody on the shoot has an idea, I will for sure try it. And it brings a better picture. I was wondering, do you do your own retouch? All my commercial jobs, I don't do any retouching. I source it out. I give it to really good retouchers that I'm very happy with and work closely with. For editorials, it's half-half. Um, if there's the budget to give it to someone else, I'm very happy to give it to someone else that I trust because for retouching, you need time and I'm not always having the time. But sometimes there's not a big budget and I know the retouching is quite demanding and I want to look at that it looks good. I want to be happy with the end result. Then sometimes I do it myself. For my free work, for sure, I do it myself. It's a half-half thing, but for the bigger jobs, I don't do the retouching. And what about the coloring? Because your colors are so bold and brave. I'm tattering while I'm shooting, so I see already the pictures, if it's possible in the studio. I see them on the monitor and we already adjust the pictures then. So 
We use a gray card um, for the first picture, adjust the colors. I give some recommendations to the clients that the look should be like this and this and this. And most of the time we have to complete look already while we're shooting. Retouching is not the only additional part to the photography business. Many people think that knowing how to photograph something is completely enough, but it's a business for a reason. There are many things that contribute to your photography. And if, even if we talk about retouching or accounting, there are many additional things. Do you want to make, along with me, of course, a little list with all the necessities in order to have a proper photography business? Talent is, of course, necessary, but it's a very small part. So I think a big part is, I would call it this, my secretary work. That's what I'm doing when I wake up. Eight o'clock in the morning, I start my morning with checking my emails. So that is a really huge part to answering the emails, um, to keep in touch with people, to send out emails to people you want to work with or you, you think a project would fit for them. Then you have, of course, the part of, like the really official things, the boring things. Nobody want to do them, but they're very necessary. From the accounting to the insurances, you have to have, be really aware of these things. Really know what you need. If something breaks and you're not insured, you're in big trouble. So have all these things. Take care that you pay your taxes. If you earn suddenly a lot of money, and I saw that happening to a lot of young photographers. They have a break and they suddenly have a big job and there's a lot of money coming in, but they're not thinking about, okay, I have to pay taxes and they spend all. So this is a thing that can be dangerous if you don't take care about this. So find someone who can do the accounting for you. Do it in the beginning, maybe yourself. Take care that you know about contracts. That is also a huge part. So nowadays with all jobs, mostly you will have a contract. And you should know what is written inside. You should understand that. Educate a little bit yourself. Team-wise, what's also necessary to build up a, a business is to know people, to know the right people, to find an agent, I think, as well, and just have a network of people. A good network will help you a lot. Did I forget something? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I was also thinking about knowing people, but you said it, so we're good. What about your agent? Do you have an agent or are you taking care of the big projects by yourself? No, I have an agent and I'm very happy to have this agent. It's now, I have to say, my third agent. So when I started out, after I finished assisting, I had quite quickly a small agency in Hamburg, Germany, which was okay, but didn't bring in any big jobs. And then I thought, okay, it doesn't bring me anywhere. Nice person, but not helpful. Maybe I try without an agency. It was okay for a while. Then I got approached from another agency. I was not sure about this agency. There were two people who approached me from that. One I thought was really cool. The other one I was not sure about. And the other one was the owner of the agency. <laughs> and <laughs> I did that. I was a year with them and then they went bankrupt. Oh. Exactly. And that is the thing that we forget and we are creative people. So we want to just think about taking pictures, being creative, making nice things, but never, ever, ever forget the money side of the whole thing. Because especially with an agent, you have to trust this person. Mm -hmm. They get the budgets for you most of the time. If you have a huge job, there's money coming in, 100,000 euros, but it's not all your money. It goes into the production. If this agent, maybe in that case, it was like that, 
she never paid out anybody. She built a nice house. She filed for bankruptcy and um, that was that. And then I was so lucky. None of the jobs she pitched worked. And I was not one of the photographers who had really a big minus mm -hmm. from that. But it happens. And these stories, every few years you hear them again that, that these things happen. So be aware of that. Be really sure what happens with the money. If you have big jobs, it's big budgets. Really take care that you can trust the people whom you work with because your name is on the invoice. And if something gets wrong, it is you who has the minus money. So really take care about this. And the agent I'm now with, she was the other person in this other agency that I liked. So I knew her already before she left. The funny thing is I went to in this agency and um, at that point she left. And I was like, oh, I was just here for you. That is a pity. But she opened her own agency and it's a smaller business. It's a new business, but it's also very good because I can trust her 100%. This is, I thought about should I change maybe for a more bigger, more prestigious agency at one point. And I thought, okay, if they have 20 photographers, how much can they really help you with the job? And yeah. now I'm very happy with her. Also, she even from her own money, if there's something you have to in advance pay, she will take it from her. This is very special and I'm very, very thankful for this and happy. And so I always say an agent is like a marriage. It's like your partner. You, you have good times, you have bad times, but you really have to trust this person. And if you don't trust them, maybe it's not the right person for you. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Maybe you won't have the biggest jobs with a smaller agency, but at least you're going to take care of each other. And at least you will get the money. Yeah. It doesn't help if you have a big job, but you never see the money. Yeah, absolutely. So better small amounts, but regularly. Yeah, not so small, but it's just be aware that this business can be sometimes a bit dangerous and um, not everything that looks shiny from the outside is actually shiny. Oh, I completely agree. And if you guys have any questions about it, you can ask them in the Facebook group and we're going to do another podcast just about this. <laughs> Talking about the podcast, I know that you're listening to it. So I was wondering, is there an episode that you listen to and you would like to recommend it if there is someone in the audience that haven't heard it already? The podcast from Amber Gray, Gus and Lowe and Andreas Ortner. And I thought they're all really nice, well done and very, very interesting. Oh, that's awesome. So we're going to link them down below and you know where to find them. There is something that I cannot get out of my mind. And it is that on your website, you're the only photographer I have ever seen having terms and conditions on their website. <laughs> I know that, but that is such a German thing to have terms and conditions on your website, because <laughs> um, probably if you look internationally, you don't have it, but um, the European and the German law changed last year. Yeah. And actually, you have to have these on. And so I'm also thinking like, do we need them? Don't we need them? But I thought, okay, German law, I do that. It's okay. <laughs> no, you know what's weird? Many people do have it, but it's like an additional option on your website. Usually people just put it like somewhere on the bottom. And if someone is really dedicated to find it, they will find it. How people see me, it's Instagram. So the website, it's additional. It's nice that it's there. And if a client want to book me, they for sure will look on the website. But most of the people look on Instagram. So I'm like, it's okay. I have all this privacy policy things that uh, the EU and uh, Germany requires from me, but I'm not, I even forgot about it, honestly. Tell us about your 
Instagram account. How do you manage it? Do you have any tips for us? It's a love-hate relationship. I think for <laughs> most of us it is. Yeah. We really need it. It's a great tool to reach people that are maybe in other countries that you don't have directly a contact to. They can see your work. It's very great, but you spend so much time on it. So I try to limit it. So maybe if I'm sitting in a bus or something or in a train or in holidays, I try to do a bit more where I actually have time and I try to limit it a bit if I'm working because I'm not sure if you spend the time right if you are four hours every day on Instagram, which could be okay. But um, I think for me, I feel it's a bit unhealthy for myself. So I try to do, if I use Instagram, maybe in the morning and in the evening, that's okay. And in between, concentrate on your work and don't get interrupted by it. But yeah, I think it's for everyone same. Concentrate on your work. But in case you want to check her Instagram account, it's linked in the show notes on photographypodcast.net. And I want to say big thank you for being with me today because this interview was so much fun. I think especially the pony part. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun shooting. <laughs> it was a fun conversation. So thank you again so much. It was real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for the invite to have this podcast. It was really cool. Thank you. That was a wrap. The second part of our interview is over now. And if you feel like you need more, don't worry. On Friday, I'll be here answering your questions and giving you tips and tricks. So if you guys have any questions that you want to hear answered here in the show, maybe you want to follow the Fashion Photography Podcast on Instagram. Our handle is photography underscore podcast, where you can ask your questions and then we're going to turn the answers into podcasts and you'll be able to listen to them here live on Friday. So guys, thank you so much for being with us today. And I cannot wait to see you again on Friday. <laughs>